0: You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 603. I swear to God, I will pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Super Troopers. audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Well guys, today we have a hilarious and insightful conversation with an indie film legend. We have on the show today writer, director, producer, and actor Jay Chandra who is the co-creator's of the indie film classic, Super Troopers. Now, Jay and I sat down to talk about the realities of what happened with their first indie film hit, Super Troopers, what it took to get the sequel done, how they were able to crowdfund millions of dollars to prove to the studio that they should make a sequel, and how amazingly successful the sequel was, what it was like to work on his new film, Easter Sunday, with executive producer Steven Spielberg and that whole story, and much, much more. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jay Chandra I'd like to welcome to the show Jay Chandra How are you doing, Jay?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for for coming on the show, man. I've been a fan of yours, brother, since since I can't even tell you when. Back obviously, since Super Troopers came out, I pissed myself and continue to piss myself every single time I watch it. So uh, I appreciate That's, you guys yeah. making
1: that. That's the, the maximum uh, reaction we are always hoping for.
0: <laughs> so, uh, I wanted you on the show, man, because uh, you know Super Troopers and the sequel, and many of the other films you've made. I mean, specifically Super Troopers was kind of like this indie. You know, it was kind of like the beginning. Like, if you remember the '90s, it was like every week there was a new El um, Mariachi or Brothers yeah. McMullen or Clerks. Yeah, brother, Broken Lizards was that for the early 2000s. Is one of those films that kind of just came out of nowhere. From, you know, a group of filmmakers who really nobody knew and exploded on the scene. So before we get into that, how did you get started and why did you want to get started in this insanity that is the film industry?
1: Well, I was an actor in in high school and college, Um, almost not an actor. My sister was I was kind of like. little lost in high school in my freshman year and my sister's like why don't you just get in the play it's super fun you make a lot of friends and i'm like a play i don't know like what am i gonna do like act and she goes be a be like an extra be in the chorus or something i'm like all right so i auditioned for a play to get in the chorus, i guess and i didn't make it and i'm like i was like what i didn't make it and so the next time they put up a play, I auditioned again, and I got in. I had a couple lines, and it was really, it was rejection that made me dive back in the second time. I'm like, "How dare you!" Uh, and once I started doing it, I thought, "Oh God, this is incredible. This is really fun." And I was so, and I became like kind of the, one of the main guys in the in the theater group in high school, and then in college, I was sort of the lead in place. Uh, and then I looked at the. Television and movie uh, screens uh, in the it was in the late '80s, and I was like, "Hey, there are no Indians on there." I mean, the Ben Kingsley was the one Indian, and and they you know, they weren't going to make a Gandhi too, right? So I was like, "Well, when they wanted Indians, they put." You know white guys in brown face and the, and these guys did these hilarious accents, I thought, like uh Fisher Stevens and uh
0: wow yeah you, you that that does that, that age well at all. in it's short circuit so,
1: it's funny, short circuit. My dad told me he goes he goes, "You have to see short circuit and I said, "Why he goes, there's an Indian in it?" and I'm like, yeah, it's not a real Indian. He goes, "Where is this closest we'll get and hey, I'm listen, like Wait. I, I'm." Ki-
0: <laughs> look i'm cuban and uh scarface
1: i mean so exactly. there you go <laughs> that's such a good point. uh um <laughs> peter sellers played a good indian in the party i thought i thought he did yeah. a really <laughs> nice job uh but i you know like Indians were showing up, but they were the guys who were selling Brad Pitt the uh, pack of cigarettes before he went over and and hooked up with uh, Jennifer Anson or whoever, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to be the guy who went and hooked up with Jennifer Anson. So I decided um, in college, uh, I started a comedy group, Uh, um, you know, because I was... I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much of this you want, but anyway. Sure. I went. I, I was in college as a junior, and I decided I'm going to try to make it in show business. And I said the way I'm going to do it is I can make my friends laugh, no problem, but can I make strangers laugh? And so I I moved to Chicago, uh, which is where I'm from, and I spent the summer in Chicago, and then I took a semester off college, and I went to college in Chicago and got credits there, and I immersed myself in the improv comedy world. And I got involved in this thing called the improv Olympic, and Chris Barley was the top guy at the time, and Dave Keckner, And they I would go see their shows, their improv shows, and they were incredible, like just like it was like magic. It was, you couldn't believe how funny it was. And then I would go do my improv shows with my group, which was like eight beginners, and we would get almost no laps. I mean, I don't know if we got any laps. And I thought, well, wow, that's really failing the test of this. Uh, can I make strangers laugh? So I decided I better go across town and write some stand up. And so I, I, I went down an open mic and I did five minutes of stand up and I got laughs. And I was like, okay, okay, I passed that test. I'm going to do it. And so I got back to Colgate and um, there was an opportunity to start a comedy group. Uh, it was basically like, hey, you want to direct a one act? And I said, instead, I'll start a comedy group. And so I went around and getting like magnificent seven. I gathered all the funniest people I knew and I put them in a room and I said, here's how we do improv. And I'm like, now I'm like this worst improv improviser in Chicago teaching seven other people how to improvise. And it just didn't go anywhere. Well, first of all, we had no audience. So we were like, is that funny? I don't know. Is that funny? I don't know. And then we're like, you know what? We're all history majors and English majors. Let's just write sketches. Let's do Saturday Night Live. We can do that. And so we started writing sketches. And one of the guys who I hired was from Los Angeles, a freshman. And he goes, I know, I'm really pretty good with this camera. And so we're like, okay, we'll be like Saturday, but we'll shoot short videos. So we started shooting short videos. And we put on a show. And the first night, about 30 people showed up. And, but it was, it was a good show, I thought. Uh, and the next night, it was 400. And you couldn't get enough seats in. And the next night, was sold out. And the next night, was sold out. We are like, oh, my God, this thing is really caught on. And so we did another show. And then we moved to New York. And we reformed as Broken Lizard. And that was 1990. And I'm watching what was happening in the film business. And I'm like, all yeah. these people are just, Kevin Smith, who's that guy? And Eddie Burns, what's going on with that guy? Rick Linclair. And I'm like, you know.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: And now back to the show. Maybe the only way I'm gonna get because still there were no Indians on the screen, and I'm mm-hmm. like maybe the only way I can get into a movie would be if I wrote it myself. So we wrote a movie together, and then I'm like, I, you know, I, we had an experience at Comedy Central with another director who directed us, and I'm like, it didn't really feel right, and so I'm like, maybe I should learn how to direct so that. And I'd been directing all these little short films for Broken Wizards, so I kind of had a leg up, and so we raised money and we made a half an hour film, and then. We raised more money and we made Puddle Cruiser, which got into Sundance. And it was just us, me and my friends in the movie. Uh, And that group obviously then went on to make Super Troopers. um, And, you know. And the rest, as they say, is history. It's so funny that you say you like you were
0: looking at the 90s. And for people who listen to this show, many of them are younger who don't understand what the 90s in independent film was. It was the first time you really saw the technology as so cheap. And the opportunity for the festivals and Sundance and that Sundance decade to blow up, you know, filmmakers. There was just a window of about ten years, really, that you could do that. That gave you the inspiration to go. I think I could do this because if, 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 if Kevin Smith made Clerks for twenty seven thousand dollars and it's funny as hell, good
1: writing and everything. Yeah. Well, how? Why can't I do that? I'm funny. That right. Similar. Same idea. It's exactly right. If it's very much like if that guy can do it, (laughs) I mean, it was very much like that. And, and it was, uh, no, the truth is the, you know, the landscape was littered with the bones of filmmakers who didn't make it. Oh, and still are, sir. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but we, you know, uh, I've always been somewhat like, like cocky to the point of stupidity. Um, which you uh, have to be, you have to be in this business to to, to attempt, to write and direct your own film and shove yourself into the middle of it and <laughs> hope, <Right. it's- laughs> which which which
0: brings there. So you made your short film, which was, a, was a Super Troopers. It was called Super Troopers Three.
1: No, no, the first no, the One, first, first short film, film was called The Tinfoil Monkey Agenda. Oh, the, the first of all, fantastic name, fantastic name, uh, fantastic name. The second, <laughs> the, the first feature film was called Puddle Cruiser. Right, uh, took place at Colgate, uh, and then the the film after that was Super Troopers One. I'm right. writing Super Troopers three right now with nice. the game. With the game. Not yet.
0: So so Puddle Cruiser, so that was kind of like your clerks. That was the that was your that was yeah. gonna be that first film that was gonna like and you got to Sundance,
1: which is a huge experience. We got to and and uh Harvey Weinstein saw it and was, you know, tested it and uh it it tested it tested well, but he didn't end up buying it. And he's like, I want to make it into a TV show because he just had a a deal with ABC. So he's like, you got to make it into a TV show. And then uh, we ended up making it in, into a TV show with another company and another guy. But but uh, we came like inches from being uh, purchased by Miramax. Just didn't happen. He wasn't in the room at the right time.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, when you made Pedal Cruisers, I mean, that's the first time you made a, a narrative feature, for, you know, as a director. What was the biggest lesson you learned on a directing side making that first
1: feature? Well, you know, the thing about comedy is it's all about uh, rhythm and timing. And mm-hmm. if you watch those, uh, you know, I keep mentioning canceled people, but if you watch Woody Allen's uh, great work, um, he'll have three minute takes where the actors are creating his comedic rhythm. And I'm, I'm sure he's telling them faster, 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 faster. And he, I mean, he, had a, he has a take taken one of his films where two people are arguing in the living room, they walk into the kitchen, the camera just points at the kitchen while they keep arguing, then they walk back after about a minute of arguing in the kitchen. And the reason it works is because of the rhythm, right? And so I always had a sense, I mean, I don't know, it, maybe if you're a comic, you know that it's all about rhythm. And I was like, I think... This movie is going to work based on the rhythm we've written into the script, but I don't know. And so we would shoot these scenes and I'm like, yeah, 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 this feels right. This sounds right, right? And then we cut it all together. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there it is. But but what we learn most is that there's so much um, extra stuff uh, and space that you need to, you know, because the human mind works at a much faster rate than you think it does. And so you can pull things out and tighten it, tighten and tighten. And the tighter you get often, the closer to the rhythm you uh, even imagined was, and, and it, you're trying to lock into a rhythm with the audience. And we were able to do that. So, um, you know, what, what it taught me is that we, couldn't, we can do it. Making which, is,
0: w- which is a very important thing, which then gave you the confidence yeah. to make Super yeah. Troopers, which was a,
1: a slightly larger budget. <laughs> it was 1.1 million. How did you get that? How did you get that movie? The money. Well, we just asked everybody in Hollywood, and they all said no. <laughs> uh, and uh, we were like, no, no, we're the Puddle cruiser guys. They're like, yeah, I heard you almost sold to Harvey Weinstein, but didn't. Almost. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, we, you know, we 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 you know we went to so many different people, and they were like, so, let me get this straight. You guys are the cops. And we're like, yeah, what are the guys. They're like, nobody knows who you are. They're like, you know, one guy's like, I'll give you the money, but we put Ben Affleck in as, as the role of uh, Thorny. I'm friends with him. He'll do it. And I'm like, no, 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 I'll play that part. And he goes, Good luck with that. And they we and we would we went from place, to you know, we were repped at uh, CAA at the time. And they mm-hmm. introduced us to all their financiers and they introduced and, and we got close again. We like the uh we were friends with the Zucker brothers so that they introduced us to the Farrelly brothers and the Farrelly brothers tried to get it made at Fox. And they were like, we just, the studio won't get it because you guys, they just won't do it. And, uh, we went with Bob Simons, uh, who was producing a lot of Adam Sandler films and he goes, I'm doing it. We're doing it for it 5 million. I'm like, great. And then if Bob couldn't get paid the amount he wanted to get paid in the budget. So he's like, sorry guys, I can't do it. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. So then God, just all this back and forth. I love people hearing, hearing these
0: stories because it's like, oh, you just basically, you know, one day you get to Sundance, next day you make broken lizards and the the money just comes rolling in. Like that's not the way it works.
1: So then we uh, ended up uh, a a friend of ours was George Clooney's assistant. Uh, We moved to LA. Right. And we're like, and we were hanging out with her. We're partying with her. We're, you know, doing ecstasy. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) We were having fun. And uh, um, and we were sleeping at George Clooney's house because she was he was off making the Peacemaker, I think, and, and we were she was alone, and she's like, "I can't sleep in this house alone. There are all these paparazzi in the woods." And we're like, "Okay." <laughs> right. so, she, so, she, so we moved in there for a month. And we're, did you know, George we're know like, this? Did George know this? Yeah, he knew. I mean, you know, <laughs> we first robes around in his slippers, and we go feed his pigs. Uh, that's he right. Yeah, knew. pigs. That's right. <laughs> And uh, and we had a ball. And uh, when he got home, he's like, you know, introduced me to these knuckleheads who were sleeping in my house. And so we met him and he goes, what are you guys trying to do? And am are like, well, we're trying to do this movie. And he read it and he goes, this is a great movie. I'll produce it for you. And I was like, oh, great. Okay, so now we're, now we're going. We're like, we got George Clooney. And um, I think we asked him to be in it. He goes, I'm just going to produce. It. I'm like, okay, great. So uh, then we, you know, we're like, Trying to take that around town, and you know the the Jersey Films, which is Dan devito's company, sure. is like we're simultaneously trying to create a television show with them um around Super Troopers because you know it didn't make it as a movie. We're oh well, let's make a TV show. Then we are unable to sell that uh to Fox. We had a, had a pilot, to Fox, right? We had a pilot, and they were like, ah, we don't know about nah, we don't know about you guys. And they pass. So then Jersey Films, like, why don't we make it as a movie? And I'm like, Well, we're already making it with George Clooney. They're like, Great, we'll jump on. So now we get Dan, uh, Dan DeVito and George Clooney mm-hmm. and two companies. And Soderbergh is giving us notes on the movie because he's with Clooney. And Soderbergh's right. like, I don't know about this opening scene. I he goes, I don't even know what this he goes, I don't know what's so funny about these cops. He goes, I think you guys need a new wrinkle to it. Like you need you know how like in point break they wore those those president of the United States masks. He was maybe you could do something like that. And I'm like, well, I got to hide our faces because we're not famous. And, but I didn't say that to him. But, but we, were, we were like, we're not doing that now. Uh, uh, in any case, so then we re-go around to all the studios and they all go, yeah, we already said no to that. We're not doing it just because you guys are on it. Uh, so now we're like, what the hell? Uh, and all the independent people said no. And, 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 <laughs> You know, and so finally we're like, I'm in my office uh, pack. I had a New York office and I was, I had moved to LA, but I was going there to bring everything back. So I'm packing the office up. I'm getting ready to, gotta unplug the phone. Like it's done, I'm moving out. And the phone rings and I pick it up and it's my friend Cricket. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
0: And now back to the show.
1: And she goes, Hey, um, I hate to do this to you, but you know, my father's an a investment banker and he's he's retiring and he wants to write scripts and you're the only one I know is kind of in show business. And I'm like, yeah, kind <laughs> of cricket. And uh, he goes, do you mind just talking to him? He wrote a script and he needs somebody to, else to look at it, I guess. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. All right. And so I get on the phone with this guy and he's like, he goes, you write scripts? He's like Donald Banker, kind of like a tough guy. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we've written a couple. He goes, all right, well, I wrote a script too. And I'm like, oh, great. Don't make me read it, but I know you will. Uh, And then he's like, "Um, I guess I'll send it to you, but why don't you send me your script first so I can just see what kind of writers you are? And I'm like, oh, I'm being auditioned to read this terrible script. Is that was happening. But I like cricket. I kind of want to her so I'm like you know and I didn't kiss her but anyway so I send I send the um uh script over to this guy and he uh, you know a few days later he calls me back and you know I haven't plugged the phone yet and he goes I read your script I said oh great and I'm waiting for him to go okay now now I get to read your script and he goes pretty funny I'm like yeah oh, thanks he goes what are you doing with it? I said well he, he's a banker and we're raising money. He goes, how much you need? I said, uh, we need a million two six. That's our budget. And he goes, all right, I'll do it. And I'm like, what? And So I hang up the phone. I walk into my producer's office. I'm like, I'm gonna do banker on the phone. He wants to do the move. And he goes, I would. And my producer was an uh, investment banker too. He goes, I'll tell you, get this guy on the phone. I'll find out, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be able to suss him out. And he gets on the phone. He goes, uh huh, okay, right, ah. Oh, uh, and then he hangs up and goes, I was a real deal, guy." And within within about two weeks, no,
0: no, the money dropped within two. I've never heard of a movie drop money dropping that fast.
1: I'm funding the deal. Let's do it. That's how he looks at it. He goes, "When I say I'm funding the deal, the money goes in the thing, and boom, 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 boom." I'm like, "Wow, that is "What?"
0: what that is called." Just some some force in the universe just said it's time for these
1: boys to, to go make their movie because well, I've never heard of a story like that. Run them all the way to the end where they're just, literally unplugging the phone. And, and then and-
0: just, just as a, as a joke, we'll just go, here's one last.
1: <laughs> but you got to pass the test, which is to be nice to cricket.
0: <laughs> right. Cause if you, so basically we, you, we and I wouldn't be sitting here right now. God knows where your career would have been if you wouldn't have been nice to cricket.
1: I would have been the the uh, Indian guy in the deli selling cigarettes to Brad Pitt when he goes to have sex with uh They're sport.
0: they're really funny. They're
1: really funny guys. Yeah, they, so. might <laughs> me <a> no, <laughs> they might give uh, you a money. They
0: might give
1: I I um it it may not be true, but I, I call myself the uh Indian Jackie Robinson of, of comedy. And it's because there were no there were no uh, Indians in comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh I got in and I, I, I've, a lot of them have come up to me and been like, hey, you, I saw you on the screen. I thought, hey, I could do that, too. And, uh, you know, Aziz and Mindy and all these folks. I mean, if you look at the wave, there was me and then everybody came in and they're doing great work. I mean, look at all these great people. So, yeah. Um, but you were the Jackie think, Robinson, sir. You were the Jackie Robinson. <laughs> I did not Yeah, I mean, you know, nobody hurled things at me from the stands or there's
0: that there's that but uh, but you did have to sit in a room with Harvey Weinstein so there's that you
1: know <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite it was actually quite thrilling i didn't know obviously all the stuff he had done I, no,
0: I, no look I mean, no everybody every, I mean, everyone could trash him now because he's a monster and all that but it, in the it, 90s he was a god
1: yeah i i don't trash harvey weinstein i, I mean he's uh, what he was doing was awful mhm um uh but you know there there were a lot of people around who seemed to know what he was pretty much what he was doing mm-hmm. like it was just mm-hmm. what the boss did and you're like oh, i don't and there's I and there's
0: that. a lot of that stuff that happens in hollywood i i've heard stories running around town about that since i was starting out so it's something that hopefully has changed a bit but
1: i think it has changed i think it has Dramatic. a
0: tremendous a, a tremendous amount since uh, since the 90s and early 2000s without question. All right, so you get Super Troopers funded by a miracle, miracle. You're shooting. What is it what is it like shooting? How like did how did the production go smoothly? How did it run?
1: It had to go smoothly because we only had the money for 28 days of shooting. Like he's like I'm, in in fact it, Pete Langell put in a million two, not a million two six. He's like, "That's all I'm giving you," and so I put in thirty in credit card, and Rich and my producer, put in thirty in credit card, and we were like hanging on by a thread. Uh, and you know, like the weather had to go well, the film—I mean, we shot on film; it had to be—you know—everything had to go well, and it—and it—and it did. It went. It went according to plan, and then we. You know, we cut it together and um you know it was Sundance was uh, was interested in the film because of the previous thing, but we were so close to the deadline that it was it was, you know, like we had shot it we shot it in June and the Sundance deadline oh, was you know September, yeah. September. So we cut it together, we put it together, we sent it in. And I was in uh I can't remember uh anyway, whatever. we got the call that you get it at Thanksgiving. They say they say you're in. Right. or you're or they don't call it. Uh uh, but the uh we got the call that we were in and we were like, oh my god, we have to finish this movie in time, and uh, we're not sure we can even do because we were at the Do film lab and you had to schedule oh, yeah. and all the films that got in were rushing. And so we just we just finished right? And in fact it was so close that we we ended up um in the Duart Film Lab on the morning that we were flying to uh, Salt Lake City to get your print, um, we were watching the final print, and I was sitting in that room with Kevin Heffernan who played Farva and the color timer, and we're watching it, and we're watching it, and like we watched the first uh, the opening scene of the of Super Troopers. Uh, if you haven't seen it, like oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm a cop, and uh, I know you've seen it, but I guess I'm trying yeah. to. And uh, and another friend, and we pull over some stoners and we and we mess with them. Uh, and there's some other things that so um, uh, and it's, you know, it, it has gone on to become the scene which we're known most for, I would say. Like, you know, like they're like it, it's the scene that describes Broken Lizard's comedy, I think, quite well. And people were like, that's you guys. OK, so um, I watched that scene. And the title of the film comes up, Super Troopers. And I'm like, can we, can we turn the lights on for a second? And they stop the film, and I stand up, and I look at Kevin, and I'm like, we blew it. <laughs> and I it said, that, thing, that opening scene sucks. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I'm like, it's terrible. I mean, why did I act like that? I don't know, what? Ooh, nobody want to tell me that I was acting like that? And he goes, I think it's pretty good, dude. I'm like, what the hell do you know? And the color timer goes, I think it's pretty good, too. I'm like, you know what, pal? It's not. And we got to go to Utah tomorrow and show this fucking terrible thing. Right? And I'm like, oh, doom. I was just feeling doom. Wow. And, it, and in fact, the opening scene of Puddle Cruiser is the, is the worst scene in the movie. It's just okay. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. like it, with comedies, you want to get them laughing fast so that mm-hmm. you can keep them laughing. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're laughing. We're supposed to laugh. So I was like, we, we tried so hard to make Super Troopers a good opening scene. It was just we, because of how bad the opening of Puddle Cruiser was. We the Puddle Cruiser opening was so it wasn't bad. It was just slow and whatever. We used to take a, a, a marionette uh, like a, it was Jimmy the dummy, right? And he was mm-hmm. like a little ventriloquist guy. And we did a whole scene at the first uh, Sundance with this dummy where he, you know, like one of us would go up on stage and go, Hey, the film print broke and we're getting a new one shipped in from Salt Lake, the whole packed audience and the audience would groan. and they go, ah, but it's coming, it's coming. We'd make up this thing. And then the dummy, like somebody on the, on the, in the audience would go unprofessional. That was one of us. Right. And then another guy would be like, Hey, leave him alone. And there's this guy with a ventriloquist dummy. And they go, what? I think these guys are young filmmakers and they're trying really hard. And then and the guy, would go, hey, you shut up, you dummy. And then everybody be yelling at other. And then a guy in a UPS uniform, one of my guys, would come running in. I got the film. And he'd run it oh, in the and it would unspool everywhere, right? And the audience was laughing and laughing. And then we start the movie and they're laughing and then they go. I was like, to Kevin, I'm like, we got to go back to my Uh, House right now. We'll take the cab, go back to pick up Jimmy the dummy. We're doing the thing of sketch again. We'll be right back after a word from
0: our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: And he goes, We're not doing it. We're just showing it. And I'm like, God, dude. (laughs) And so then we go to Park City and we're in a bar and um, I'm sitting in the bars, Harvey Weinstein. And I'm like, oh, we got to get this guy in the screening, right? And so we send um, uh, Marissa Coughlin, who's in the movie, and she knows him, and she's he's 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 like, he's like, come on over. And so we, because I'm telling the story of this criminal now, so um, and so Harvey and and he's like, look, Jay, I'd I'd love to go to your movie, but I got a meeting right in the middle of it. I can't if I go to your movie, and I leave, you're not selling your movie. And I'm like, I know, but if. if I said, "Well, just well, I'll put you in the back seat. Just sneak out, and then you know." He goes, "Okay, I'll come to your movie. Put me in the back seat. I'll sneak out, and I'll come back." And I'm like, "Great, let's do it." And so we do it. We put him in the back seat. Back uh, row. Place is packed with really high and 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 kind of drunk people too, because it's like a midnight screening. And we know a lot of people in LA and New York. Everyone's like, "Yeah, revved up, right?" And they all turn and look at Harvey Weinstein. They go, whoa, right? Oh, shoot. He's here. Holy shit. He's here, right? And so he's sitting in the back. The movie starts. I'm like, oh, it's going to be terrible. And immediately the laughs start rolling and rolling. And then, I mean, and it rolled. And then when that title came up, the place blows up into an ovation. And tears rolled down my face because I was so tense. I was so tense. And then I'm like pacing in the lobby as I'm listening to the movie laughter and Harvey gets up around the 30 minute mark. He goes, this movie is killing. He goes, I'm coming back. And he, he leaves, goes to his thing and he comes back and he slides right in he goes, incredible. And at the end of the movie, he goes, come over. Talk to me, talk to me. He goes, I'm not going to necessarily buy your film yet because I haven't seen it all, but this is going to help you. He goes, you watch what happens here. Uh, and he goes, in fact, I want you to meet me at this bar and you watch what you'll be in. The, you'll be in the daily, whatever the page six. I'm like, OK, so we meet him at this bar. Right. And 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 I'm, I'm there and like whatever. We're kind of chatting. I'm like, just buy the movie because I got to watch it first. Give me the print. So we're kind of doing that thing. And I'm at the bar and executives from Searchlight and executives from Sony are like, don't sell. Don't sell to Harvey. Let us. We need more people to come see it. Don't sell to Harvey. Don't sell. And and in fact, it created this frenzy and and we showed it again Saturday night and we showed it again Sunday night and Searchlight made an offer of three and a half. And we're like, Harvey, you want to beat that with Sony, you want, whatever. And Searchlight's like the offer expires when your Sunday night screening starts. So take it early. And we're like, we'll take it. We'll take it. Thank God we took it from Searchlight because we had such a nice career with those guys and we never had to deal with. You know Harvey uh, Scissorhands, which is what he was called by a lot of filmmakers who went in and recut. I mean, look, mm-hmm. obviously he did a lot worse things than recut movies, but mm-hmm. uh, I I always am uh, grateful that I never fell into his uh, his his hands.
0: Right, uh, but you, but you, but at least uh, he did whatever he did for you back in the day. That and it's all, going to good. see, yeah, it started
1: yeah. the conversation. Did.
0: It's that's that's an amazing story. So you you tripled your budget. And your career was off the ground. Now, I have to ask you. I mean, it turned into a huge hit. I mean, it was, and not only a huge financial box office hit, but then DVDs back then, and it
1: made, and, it, made it made Fox over a hundred million dollars. Jesus, a million dollar movie. Ah, oh they God. kept almost every penny of it.
0: I was about to say almost every single penny. I'm like, I'm sure that they didn't get that. <laughs> but, but so let me ask you a question. I always love asking filmmakers who, who get this kind of situation happened to them this kind of lottery i call it the lottery ticket because it's like it is is a lottery it's a lottery ticket moment that you worked very hard for it's not like you was lucky to get it but all these circumstances that happened like crickets (laughs) father's who gives you the money and then sunday there's a lot of these things that happen um how did the town treat you as the director of this film afterwards
1: well the what happens is there's a period of of heat right mm-hmm. so we instantly got two uh television deals one with the NBC and one with the uh, ABC uh you know like we we entered into uh you know searchlight wanted our next film which would become Club Dread um and You know, we were, I was in the conversation around town as one of the new guys, Um, but I wasn't pursuing that. I didn't even know how to pursue it because I was like, I would read these, you know, often not great comedy scripts. And I'd (laughs) go, well, uh, no, I can't make a not great movie. It didn't occur to me that I could then put my imprimatur on it and rewrite it and just Mm -hmm. have my guys rewrite or we rewrite. I didn't even know that. I was like, well, if it's this now, then I can't make that movie. That's how kind of dumb I was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I passed in a lot of movies that turned into good movies. Um, And then I thought, oh, well, you know what? This is an idea for a film, this movie. And I'll just take it. I'll rewrite everything. And and then it'll be the same movie, but it'll be about my version of which would be, in my opinion, a good one, you know. (laughs) now I, that's what i do now um uh but then yeah i was i was like one of the guys who you know i was on variety top 10 directors to sure. watch you know all that stuff but you went the
0: through the water line. bottle so you went through the water bottle tour you just went every, right. you met everybody so
1: the bottom line is it, the film business is a largely self-generating business and if you relax and be like, I made it. I'm in the top ten directors. To it's meaningless. It's like, yeah, some producer might call you and go, hey, can you do something with this? They're still trying to get the money. And, you know, if you're not generating yourself, if you're not out there going, I want to make a movie about this and this and this, and I'm going to write it. This here's the script. And this is the writer who's going to do it. We're going to do it together. And, you know, you're not doing that. You're not getting movies made. Still. Still. And at any level.
0: I mean, even Spielberg. Yeah, I mean- Spielberg can get, get some things made, but he still has to
1: develop and build and do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has a little easier, but yeah. A little uh, bit, little, little bit little well, easier you know, than uh, the rest it, of us. It leads me to this. Uh, I don't want to jump <laughs> off your train yet, but uh, uh, if you want to continue, we can. But I have a Spielberg
0: Well, no, I, I love Spielberg. I have so many people who've worked with Spielberg on the show. I, and he, It seems to me that he always – he's always in the mix somehow with any any <laughs> – any big thing that happens in town, you always get the call from, even if it's just like, Hey man, great movie. What was your, what's your Spielberg story?
1: Well, I was, I was sitting at home in the pandemic and I uh, basically had turned into like a full-time golfer. Like I, I played every day. Uh, and I was just sort of there and I get this call uh, from my agent that said, Hey, what do you know about Joe Coy? And I right. said, well, Joe Coy, the, the, the comic I and mean, he's a funny, funny dude. Right. And he said, well, OK, here's the deal. Joe Coy uh, has done a stand up special on, on Netflix and Steven Spielberg during the pandemic happened to watch it and he loves Joe Coy. And now he's like wants to make a Joe Coy movie and they want to do it in Vancouver and they want to, And they and you got to go any day now because uh, the film can only be shot in May and June because that's Joe Coy's stand-up window where he's got stand-up shows all over the world and they're big shows, though. So, and I'm like, big shows, really? They're like, you know, it sells out 16,000-seat arenas. I was like, oh. oh, oh. Joe Coy, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so May, June, so we got to be in Vancouver when, Monday? And they're like, yeah, kind of. And uh, I mean, and I'm like, Okay, send so me the scripts. So I read the script, and I'm like, okay, I get it. I mean, I, I know Joe's stand-up, and it's a, it's like attempting to be about his his family. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. I said, you know, look, this script, uh, were I to do it, would need uh, some work, but it's not work that can't be done. So I said, yeah, I'll go. Uh, well, I mean, because they, they, Amblin was asking for me to go. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I I flew to Vancouver and uh, and went into quarantine for two weeks in a in a ho- in a hotel very nice hotel um, uh, but it was hard uh, where I couldn't see anybody I couldn't step over the the the, the entrance to the I just stayed in that room uh, and then I got out and uh, Joe Coy came to town and I met him for the first time I mean I we'd met on Zoom and we you know i hired a writer and and she and i uh, rewrote the thing and um and then you know i still haven't met steven spielberg we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor
0: and now back to the show
1: i just because of the quarantine and the COVID thing i get a note from him every now and then like <laughs> movie stars don't wear hats and I'm like, okay, you can't wear a hat in the next scene, buddy.
0: Uh, uh, you know, Stephen Mount Olympus called, and you can't.
1: Well, it you know, like we were going to hire an actress for a part, and uh, uh, and we sent it to him, the choice, and it, you know, she was the more famous person, right? And I've been at Warner Brothers for years. I had a deal over there, and they're like, just hire the most famous person. We'll put them on the poster, and you'll make it work. And I'm like, okay. I just assumed everybody did that. And so i'm like know, I, I gave him the choice the most famous person and he, he he sends a note back this other woman's much better actor than the most famous person don't you think and i'm like well yeah but she's not the most famous person and he goes wouldn't you want to choose a better actor i'm like of course i do i didn't know i could i did so then i did and it, it's the it's the central decision for the whole movie like it because we hired this woman the movie works in a way you can't even believe, in my view. It's called Easter Sunday. Right, the guy yeah. has his you know, you know he, he's not just some rando. He's like, who just said, oh, my name's on it. He's like, what about that? And what do you think about that? And you're like, okay, great. I still and never I, met him, but, you know.
0: But I'm assuming one day you'll get a phone call,
1: maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, I will, I will, I will go to my grave, not assuming I'm going to meet Steven Spielberg, even though he's my boss. I just don't, I don't see how that could happen. You know, I, Alex, I live in a world where I'm like constantly convinced I'm about to be kicked out of show business. So there's no, there's no space in that world for me to believe that I will meet Steven Spielberg. So,
0: uh, is it, is it, so I always love asking this question from, from, you know, people who've hit a certain level in the business is like, do you do, do you, so you just said, you truly believe that at any moment security is going to come in. Like, what are you doing here? You need to be escorted out.
1: Right. I, right. the, the, I, I look. I realize how ridiculous it is because I was I did a stand up show recently and it was me and Tiffany Haddish uh, yeah. and Anthony Jeselnik and Tom Arnold. And we're upstairs just chatting, four comics chatting. And I'm like moments like these were my uh, I, where where I have to admit that I might have made it. Um, and I, I hate to admit that because I'm mm-hmm. so hungry. And I'm so. They You're don't so- want me in show business. <laughs> um, I'll show them. I'll make a. I'll make my tenth movie.
0: <laughs> no, I, I have to ask you. So um, that's fantastic, by the way. Uh, I was going to bring you up Easter Sunday because I saw Easter Sunday, and we've been working on this interview for months now. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh, Easter Sunday's coming out." I'm like, and I'm such a joy. I'm like, oh. I. Absolutely huge Joy Clay fan. Oh, uh, and I've had I've had the pleasure of meeting him. We almost worked together on this close of almost working together years ago. Uh and Joe is just wonderful. I just I'm such a such a fan of his. Um but Super Troopers 2 is such a unique story and how you got that made because the studio didn't want to make the sequel and you had to raise the money yourself, right?
1: They were worried that it was too long um, between films. Fair right. enough. You know, uh first one came out in two thousand two, the second one might have coming out two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um or eighteen or something, I don't know. But it was it was it was a long time. They were like, ah, I don't know. And they're like so they said, Well, why don't you raise the money yourself? And they said, Really? You made a hundred million dollars, you can't just carve a couple off. And they're like, Yeah. <laughs> If you raise the money yourself, we'll distribute it. I'm like, okay. And then they said, and you have to raise the print and advertising budget too, which is all the money. It's the budget uh, and all the money to release it. So you're talking about, in this case, we had to raise $30 million. And I'm like, I, don't, I, don't, I can't raise $30 million. Cricket? Cricket? Yeah, well, yeah cricket's dad, dad's like i'll put money in oh that's I'll good to put money and we put money together um we had like i don't know maybe we got to about five or so and then we were like kind of hit a wall didn't weren't eight, and they, and they also said we'll never let you take to another studio because other studios are like Netflix, you know, Netflix like we'll do it. um oh yeah they no, will. You can't, you can't take it out of work no and we're not making it but no you can't take it so we happened upon this i mean you know we we watched watched the news and we saw these uh the Veronica mars had raised some money for uh um the the movie of that and we thought well god i mean we're at least uh in a similar position you know they had a thing they loved and they're doing a thing Mm-hmm. So we we hired the guy who did that campaign, guy Ivan, um, Asspop, and and he he um, he put together a campaign. He first of all he goes, "I'm not terribly familiar with your work." That's the first thing he said, and I'm like, "A hey, computer guy, and uh, you have no tact or anything." It's so funny, and. Um, he, then he goes, you know, there's quite a bit of interest in your comedy uh, around the internet. I've done a search. And I was like, how do you, what? Okay. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to take this job on. I'm like, okay, great. Let's great, do it. We <laughs> built this incredible campaign with great art and incentives. And uh, we, we made a video where you like, we locked Farva in the trunk of a, of, of a car. Yeah, I remember it. And then we said, give us money or else we won't let them out of the trunk. And then we pushed go on the campaign, and it was like, boom. Like, I mean, we, we raised, I think, $5.8 million. Uh, on, on Indiegogo, right? Indiegogo, something like that. We were second to uh, Veronica Mars. Whatever they made, we made a little less. And wow. And Searchlight was like, what? What? Oh, how many 50,000 people gave you money? And they're like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. Great. Um, And then so then we were able to so then now they were really excited about it. And uh, uh, and then they agreed to uh, release the film for us with their money. Uh, That's nice. And so, yeah, so we still funded the production. They, They funded the, you know, but we made the movie and then we tested the movie and the reaction in the audience was like, I mean, it was insane, the reaction, and all the searchlight executives were there. And when they put the, tw- they take, keep 20 people back to talk to them about the, what, you know, what, what, how would you feel about the movie? And and the, and they're like, know, yeah, this is from a franchise. And they're like, yeah, so they tested, did I tell you about the testing on the screen? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it tested incredibly well. Like the numbers were astronomical. The audience was comparing it to franchises like Star Wars. And the Fox people were like, Oh my god we got a hit uh and so they poured the money in they did a great campaign two posters super cool everything was great and we were like holy this is incredible we're gonna we're gonna have a uh you know it looks really good we're gonna have a hit movie i think and so then the weekend the week we arrive in new york which is what you do at the end of, the, of, a, of a campaign uh to do press new york press we're it's monday and the publicist with us, it's like, I hate to break it to you guys, but we got really bad tracking on this movie. Like and the tracking predicts what the box office opening weekend is going to be. And they're like, it's it's tracking to open to about three million dollars. Right. In order to be a success. This movie would in Searchlight's view, would they want it to open to ten? You know, that would be a success for a small film and we were like 3 million how is that possible like we had a 50,000 and they're like well you know like our our fans have been notoriously stoners right they're like a little slow to the mark a little slow to the mark <laughs> they get there they get there like they when i could do a stand up show there'll be tickets available up until an hour before the friday and there're like 100 tickets available and then boom it's sold out and you're like guys Get 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 your internet. Account. can you do this? So I'm like, maybe that's it. And they're like, yeah, maybe I don't know. And on Monday, Tuesday, it's still tracking three. Wednesday, it's still tracking three million. And everyone's like, we. They, yeah. The president of Searchlight calls and goes, "Hey, man, we tried. I'm sorry, right?" And then Thursday morning, we're in an interview in some brewery or something in Brooklyn or something, and um, publicist. <laughs> goes, she's looking at her phone, she goes, there's some weird, uh, there's some weird end uh, numbers out of the matinees uh, that, well, they're just not, they're not right, but we're gonna get a check, we're gonna check on it. And I said.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: And now back to the show. What are they? And she's like, "Well, then the, all the mayonnaise are sold out." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's not true." And so she goes, "Yeah, there, there's a problem with the computer, the system. There's a problem." Obviously, computer. obviously. And so then the next screening, she goes, "Yeah, these, these numbers are stupid. They're all sold out." And it, so two screenings are now sold out: morning at 11 a.m. and one. And she's like, and "Then the third one," she goes, "It's sold out again." <laughs> and they're like, "These are real numbers." And suddenly. We have now, we won Thursday, we won Friday, we're the top movie in the country. And, and we had 1800 screens, I think, or something like that. And, and Amy Schumer had 2600, 2800 screens. So we were beating her on per screen average. And then with the volume of screens, they ended up winning the weekend, but we won the per screen average for the weekend with our 1800 screens. Um, That's amazing. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. And searchlight's like let's make two more movies and then you know there we go and there we go <laughs> and now that's why now you're writing that's this, right uh, super troopers three we, we made a film called quasi which is set in 13th century france uh uh and steve lemme plays a hunchback and i play the king of france and uh, paul Sutter plays the pope uh and it's a full-on Money Python style movie. And sure, people are going to go, you guys aren't as good as Python. And we'll go, well, we agree. But um, still, uh, we made one and we said, you know, with the, and we were in it with this accent. And you're like, my God, we're in the middle of the Python movie. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, um, Jay, I'm going to ask you a couple questions I ask all of my guests. Um, what advice would you give a filmmaker trying to break into the business today?
1: Well, my advice would be don't wait around uh for other people to let you in because there are people like me on the other side of the door pressing our shoulders against it to keep you out, <laughs> and um and the only way in is through that door so keep pushing and don't wait for me to let you in it's not gonna happen it's,
0: it's, not gonna happen. it's like it's i got
1: it on this side i'm in vegas <laughs> in the hotel that's not good <laughs> but you know i mean the answer is um that's awesome we respond to the same things you would think we respond to, which is followers and, uh, and, and numbers. Like if you can demonstrate an audience by making your short films and putting them on the internet and having people watch them, you know, and we go, oh my God, a million people watch it. Oh, wow, maybe. Well, you know, it comes with built-in audience. You know, it's like it, 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 it's not easy, but it's also you have an ability to sort of do things cheaply Um, the problem for the new generation is that so many people are trying to do things cheaply. There's so much stuff. You're like, it's hard to really get your mind around it. Uh, um, and so, you know, the, the, the system benefits those with access to capital and that's sort of the sad truth of it all. Right. If you can, if you can raise money, I mean, it's even harder now because like Sundance isn't what it used to be, you know, like the people are not. Companies are not going to Sundance and necessarily buying, I mean, they are, they're buying films, but it's a little different. It's not, you know, you don't have these people who are automatically in the theater. So you have like, oh, we'll scream a little bit, and you know, and, and that's all good. And that's all good. But that's sort of the changing moment here. Uh, do, do you
0: think that Super Troopers, what would happen if Super Troopers got released today?
1: It probably would have gone to somebody like Netflix. Maybe, M- right? maybe
0: but, 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 knowing that you that nobody knew who you were, you made a well, million dollar so, movie. So I,
1: I believe it would have sold because the response in the room was electric. And and that's really the game, right? If you can get to Sundance and show the movie in a room full of people, you flipped the power dynamics so that the, the buyer instead of watching it on their desk, on their laptop and drinking coffee and walking around and doing all this stuff, they are now in a room with audience and the audience is like, we love and they're like, Oh no, what do I do? I better buy it. I mean, that's sort of how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that still works that way. You know, like I, 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 you can still get a movie in, in, into the theater. So if you're nobodies and you have no, nobody's in the movie, then it's harder. Right. It's like, you probably end up on a streaming service first and maybe you'll never get out of there. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, the problem with the problem with Netflix is they pay more money than searchlight does. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and then the movie ends up being sitting there, you know, lost in the soup doesn't have the same. When you get a poster and a campaign and interviews and it, you know, the movie sears into audiences brains in a different way um you know the the movies on netflix currently don't do that in my view
0: right yeah right i mean top gun did what it did because of it did well it did okay yeah the biggest memorial day weekend opening ever
1: oh good 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 Uh, you know uh, the whole thing for me is i want um i i you know I, i said to universal when we were getting ready to Think about how we're going to put out this movie in the middle of the pandemic, of course. The yeah. movie tested well. Easter Sunday tested really well. Joe Coy is the biggest ticket-selling stand-up comic in show business. He's number wow. one. Wow. Wow. Sells 56,000 seats in Los Angeles in three nights. He sells 38,000 in Seattle. He is filling hockey arenas everywhere he goes. And I said to them, look, guys, we got a, we got a theatrical a comedy that works really—the audiences—we tested it; they love it. We have Joe Coy in his first film. This is like having Steve Martin before *The Jerk* or Eddie Murphy before *48 Hours*. We got him, and you guys are Universal, and I'm me. Like, if we can't sell this as a theatrical comedy, well you guys—we should all stop. You know, because <laughs> I said we got to be—you know—we're all looking around, and go who's going to bring theatrical comedy back? You know who it is? It's us. Mm-hmm. We're we're we've been put here to do this this is it's our turn it's time to do it and so i'm i've been telling people i'm like we're bringing the theatrical comedy back and we're the only theatrical comedy coming out this summer that's how bad it's got you're absolutely
0: right i mean yeah i mean uh, it is outrageous and now it's like everyone's saying that theaters are just for the event films and they are for a certain extent of course but you know a film like a film a film like Easter Sunday would absolutely open well i mean you've got an audience that is used to buying tickets for this artist That's on right. top of
1: it That's so it's right. like makes right. sense we'll see if i'm right i mean we'll see if i'm right but i but i i hope i am i mean I, you know it's a gambling business you know the, you know it's gunslingers and gamblers well we're
0: going <laughs> we're, we're such big joy Koi fans my family and i all um, my daughters everyone so we're going to we're going to
1: head out to the theaters to see it when it comes out um do we do you know about my the app I created? Are you? Mm, uh, I don't. Ah. Tell me about the app. Tell me about the app. Okay. So it all goes back. Super Troopers comes out uh, after this incredible Sundance experience, comes out in the theaters. Uh, and the reviewers uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, a site named for throwing rotten fruit at people like me, film site, um, they give it a 38% fresh. The, the reviewers, right? And I was like, "What? What? What do we have to do?" Like, and the and then that's a hundred people. Then over time, you know, the audience weighed in, and and the audience gave us a ninety percent fresh rate. That's two hundred thousand people rated it that way. And I'm like, "Who are these strangers with outsized um, power?" Right? They're just. They're, you know, a reviewer, I've I, I got no problem with reviewers, right? I, sure. In fact, I think they're valuable. But aggregating all of them and putting it into a score, it's just nonsensical. Like We got reviewed for Beer Fest from a woman in Arizona named Grandma's Reviews. And her review of the film was, I didn't like it. There's too much drinking. I'm like, there's too much drinking. <laughs> it's an ode to binge drinking. Lady. It's called Beer Fest. Yes. So, but that goes into our reviewer score. And you're like, I said, oh my God, I need to get revenge on Rotten Tomatoes. And it stewed with me for 18, 20 years. And then I said, I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to build an app, right? I mean, look, the the premise is this. Reviewers are strangers. When's the last time you walked up to a stranger on the street and said, hey, hey, what movie should I see? That's what we're doing. Exactly. And in, in Rod Tomatoes, you're taking all these strangers, aggregating their strange opinions, and putting it together. There you go. Here's what these strangers think. So I said, you know, I want to build an app that is, if you want advice for a movie, you talk to your friends, right? You talk to your friends, your, your, or maybe, you know, some celebrity yeah. on something that some filmmaker said, hey, this is a good movie, Road to Busan or whatever it is, mm-hmm. Train to Busan. I don't know. Uh, and so I made an app. Uh, I started to develop an app that was going to be a recommendation site for movies, TV, books, podcasts, music, right? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
0: And now back to the show.
1: And I connected with these two guys who were computer guys, and and they were already reacting to this podcast. you know, like Amazon reviews or Yelp reviews. They're like, who wrote the review? Was it the owner of the restaurant who wrote it? Was it the restaurant across the street who wrote them a bad review? Was it somebody who doesn't like the waiter who gave them a bad? I mean, you know, you're like, they're strangers, right? So they were working on an idea to try to solve that problem. And we teamed up and we made a thing called Vouch Vault. All right. It's in the app store now. It's in the Apple store and it's in the, android store and it's basically this it's basically instagram for um recommendations so if you open my vault you'll see that i like reservoir dogs you'll see that i like uh pulp fiction you'll see that i like richard Pryor live in long beach that stand-up show you'll see that i like uh uh um joe Joe Coy stand up you'll see I put super troopers there. You see, you know, if I like this indie hustle, you could see that like, you can put anything you like. And so if you follow me, you're like, Oh, Jay likes this thing. And then you push a button and you can try it. Right. Uh, but books, anything, I have all sorts of books on there. Right. And, and so it'll work best. I think um, the goal is to say, it's a word of mouth machine. You know, it's also a memory machine so that when I tell my children, you know, this, Fleetwood Mac Rumors album is a very important album for you to listen to. They go, mm-hmm. it's not just me saying it, it's there in the vault, right? They go, oh, oh, yeah, dad was talking about this album, I'll listen to it. You know, it's like, and if you, if you, somebody recommends something in the past, you write it down on a little note in your phone, right? Here, there's a tri-vault, and you just stick it in there. So when you're home on a Friday night, you're like, what's in my tri-vault? You're like, oh, yeah, this uh, new BBC Three documentary I wanted to see. I remember I wrote it down, and there it is. Try it. And so it's it's a machine that I hope is going to change the way specifically film is judged. The way you know, I want reviewers on there. I'm talking I'm trying to get Owen Gleiberman and trying to get Drew McWeeny and trying nice, to get them all over. nice. Go, "Hey guys, I tell me what you love." Right? "Tell me the films you love that nobody knows about." And then I'll watch them. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to kill reviewers. I'm I'm I am trying to to kill Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I I am. It is a revenge ploy. It is a revenge ploy. You are not the
0: only, sir, you're not the only one who uh, feels some vengeance is needed against Rotten Tomatoes. Many filmmakers, (laughs) many filmmakers feel the same way you are. And I I, all
1: get on this app and let's show them who we are.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. And last question. Three of your favorite films of all time.
1: 48 Hours. Genius. Walter Hill. Reservoir Dogs. And Good Calls.
0: Rest in peace, Ray the Liotta.
1: They're all the reason they're all on that list is because they're all tough, funny films. Mm-hmm. And I like I like it when the guy, when the people are tough in the movie, uh, and I like when they're when it's that funny and it's that you know it's sometimes you know violent and funny is so, is some sometimes really funny, but they play it straight. Forty eight hours, you're like. Yeah. There's, there's some broad stuff, but there's some. It, the bad guys are bad. The violence is is terrifying, and and obviously, Goodfellas is the same way. It's funny as hell. Um, yeah, the Joe Pesci scene alone, incredible, incredible. <laughs> uh, I can't believe Ray Liotta died. Uh, I, I, um, I know, I uh, know. Reservoir Dogs is a work. It's, it. it's a it's, work. A, it's a, work,
0: a masterpiece. A masterpiece. Yeah. Jay, um, and when is um, Easter Easter Sunday coming up?
1: August fifth.
0: Man, I cannot wait to see it. And Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show, man, and and sharing your adventures and your knowledge with the, and your experiences with the tribe, man. I really appreciate you. Thank you for your inspiration. And just like you were inspired by Ed Burns and, and Clerks and Kevin and, and Mariachi and all those kind of films, people listening now hopefully will be inspired by you. It's like, if this guy can do it.
1: That's right. <laughs> if, that's right. If that guy can do it. And I mean, how hard <laughs> how hard well, that's what John Oliver said to me when I was I was directing him in Community. He'd never acted before, and I'd seen him do stand up, and I, I loved him in stand up. Oh, he's amazing! And I said, John, this is your first acting scene ever, and then like you nervous at all? And he goes, How hard could it be? <laughs> <laughs> Jay, man, up! up.
0: A pleasure yeah. meeting you, my friend. Thank you again for being on the show, brother.
1: Continued success, and I can't wait to see Easter Sunday, man. Thanks I'm again. Vouch for indie hustle, buddy. I'm going to put indie hustle in my vouch vault. I pre- indie film hustle. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you again, man.
0: I want to thank Jay so much for coming on the show and dropping his knowledge bombs on the tribe today. Thank you so so much, Jay. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to watch his new film Easter Sunday and check out his new social media platform, head over to the show notes at IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 603. And if you haven't already, head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we are putting out amazing content on a daily basis. That's IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. As always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive.